technology shapes and influences every aspect of our lives today. And we're only beginning to scratch the surface of understanding how it will radically change the way we live and work in the future. Coming up. Part of the plan for global expansion is to go into these Southeast Asia regions where you know mobile gaming is already big. Uh, you know, in a lot of these countries, you, you people aren't going to pay $400 for a console. They're not going to go and build a $3,000 computer or buy a $2,000 gaming laptop. Uh, they just don't have the disposable income to spend on that, but they are big in mobile gaming. Uh, so this is, I, I think it's going to be a slower growth trajectory than we're going to have here because you, you obviously in the U.S. You, there is uh, our ability to get bandwidth is very easy compared to others. You're listening to the Future Rhythmic Podcast with Michael Hainsworth, a Nokia original series. Hardcore video game fans all know Razer, but the company that got its start making high-end mics that glow and wireless headsets for smack-talking your buddies is taking aim at cloud gaming. While 5G will usher in an era where gameplay can take place anywhere at any time thanks to its ultra-low latency, a super-fast network connection means nothing if the hardware lags. And lag is something gamers will not abide. Futurithmic sat down with Razer's head of mobile gaming, Jason Schwartz, and question one was, why get into the cloud in the first place? Most of the people that are out there today, and that's our, been our core audience, back to the mice and keyboard, are people who play PC and console. That was the traditional uh, method of people gaming. However, you, know, you look at the people in those core, they have been playing this through high school, through college, into their early career. And uh, now they're starting to get busy with, uh, with uh, their work, getting deeper into their, their careers. They are having families, they have uh, spouses, they have kids. So the time they had to play games was really shrinking down. And you know, they, they used to be able to go and play a four or five hour gaming session. However, now, you know, if you try to go tell your spouse, hey, why don't you uh, go cook dinner and take care of the kids for me while I go play some Overwatch, uh, that doesn't really go over very well. So there is this need now for people to be able to play when they want to play uh, for when it, wherever they are and for a shorter period of time because the pressures on them are, are too great. Uh, so that was really where the the beginning of uh, trying to take go to our core base and look at where they will be playing games in the future and try to develop something that is uh, uh, enables them to, to to bridge from where they are to where the industry is going. So does that suggest cloud gaming is largely a casual gaming experience? This is a demographics shift. We're getting older. We don't have as much time, and therefore, this is the future of gaming. Uh, no, actually, what it is, is <laughs> um, I mean, there are part of that will be there, of course, uh, there is your casual gaming uh, elements that are there. But but really, what is happening is it's a transition from uh, AAA, the core tour titles like the Fortnite's, the, the uh, PUBG's, uh, Call of Duty's, uh, having those transition into a mobile environment. So it enables you to take that same gameplay uh, that you find w within the consular PC world and, and starting that transition over to uh, the, the mobile or the, the cloud gaming aspect of it. So with IHS market research believing that dedicated gaming hardware isn't going to die anytime soon, this must bode very well for your cloud-specific hardware you're working on. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and it's and it's it, it, what it is. What's interesting about this is it's growing beyond just where our core base used to be. Because one of the things about cloud gaming is that it the processing speed is done in the cloud. Uh, you don't necessarily have to have the latest iPhone, the latest Samsung device in order to play in order to play these titles. Uh, cloud allows you to have any Android device or any iPhone device that's out there. So this is really opening up a whole new market, which is uh, mostly second world countries where it's a mobile first society uh, in which you, know, you have a population that really skipped a lot of these countries skipped the landline aspect went straight to mobile devices so a very large portion of them have uh, some of the, the entry-level Android phones and what this is going to allow them to do is as cloud gaming is is coming to to their regions they're going to be able to have the same titles that uh, people do in the us or uk or japan or wherever it might be but have them access like a netflix netflix library and they can go and play that just like you would on a, a console back home so then what does your hardware look like if the focus is on the iphone or the android based device as the primary method of consuming gaming content uh, we have built up an infrastructure that really enables the, this ecosystem that's being developed out. Uh, so we are we have created a few different lines. One is our controllers. What we want to be able to do is take that console type experience with their, you know, the input device being a controller and attach that to a device. We came out with the Razer Kishi, uh, which we announced at CES. Um, actually won best in show for gaming um, along with uh, a few, few other awards. And what this does is a universal adapter that uh, can work on. We have two versions of it. One's an iOS, one is an Android version, and they uh, both work with any Android or iOS phone that, that's out there. So uh, you're able to, to, to buy this one controller, put it onto, it could name almost every Android device out there in the world, and have a very similar console type experience. So even if you've grown up in that environment, it, it replicates to a very large degree of what you're used to. And if you haven't had it before, it just really enhances your, your gameplay in general. So these are accessories that would be used in conjunction with an existing product. You're, you're not building your own console, as it were. No. Um, and what's interesting about cloud and 5G is that you know the, the need for console down the road isn't as there as much as it is today. Uh, so right now it's a cross-play in which you can go and you can like when Project X Cloud comes out, for example, you're going to be able to be in the middle of a session at home, uh, playing your playing the normal way you do today. Press pause, grab your phone, grab your keys, you walk out the door, and then go ahead and attach it. Press play and continue where you were before, which is truly a revolutionary way of, of gaming compared to how you know you must be in a certain place in order to play it wherever your your console is set up. So then what's the secret sauce? Because that sounds very much like what Google Stadia attempted to accomplish back in 2019 when it launched. But because of lag and things of that nature, uh, it, it didn't get the critical positive reception it was looking for. How do you avoid that? Yeah, it's actually a really good question. I think uh, that that is what every cloud gaming platform is asking themselves today as well. And that, that kind of that third ingredient is 5G. What 5G enables you to do is really have the have speeds up to 10, gig, 10 gigs per second, which is just absolutely mind blowing. Um, and it, it is, you know, it enables you to have a very low latency, you know, better the better speeds than what you have at home with broadband for most people out there uh, and, and enables that gameplay to be wherever it is. 
Uh, and the others is well, in the other aspect of it, what we're developing is ultra low latency um, input devices. So whether it's our Kishi controller, which is down to almost a zero latency, uh, we came out with a pair of true wireless earbuds that have a gaming mode that brings latency down to 60 milliseconds, which is by far the lowest out there in the market today. The next closest right now is about uh, 120. Uh, and so you must create, and that, that's what I meant by we're creating an, e, uh, an infrastructure to enable this. Uh, Cloud gaming and mobile gaming is only as good as the latency that is adapted to it. So creating this environment enables it to drive latency down to near zero or as close to zero as you can uh, helps you get that same experience you have on PC and, and console at home. So that puts a lot of pressure on you as a hardware developer, because to your point about latency, if the network infrastructure is so focused on squeezing every millisecond possible out of that network to get that data to the user as quickly as possible, the last thing that user needs is their hardware acting as the bottleneck during the pew, pew, pew. Yes, and it is, and that's a great way to express it. Um, I think for those who don't don't the game, you know, the uh, the the easiest comparison is if you're watching a video and the lips are moving at a different rate in which you're hearing it. It's unbelievably annoying to watch a movie that way or, or, or YouTube video or whatever it might be. But to play a game is even worse because that could be the end of the game where you get killed because you don't hear the action that's happening in time. Uh, so that, that is, I mean, that that is what our, our focus and really what we're going to market with uh, which is I mean, really what we're coming to market with is the first mobile gaming platform that's out there. Uh, if you go into any you know any carrier or any store today, you're not going to find a mobile gaming section. That's what we're trying to create here. And the number one aspect of that is latency. Because uh, if you create, you know, most, if you just take most of the product that's out there in the market today and start playing uh, a native mobile game or, or you play a cloud gaming section, you're going to have a lag that's going to interfere and reduce the quality of gameplay compared to what you're being able to play at home. Now, having said all this, your point that there's a tremendous growth opportunity in markets that skipped the landline, those developing markets, uh, primarily, I suspect you're talking um, in the Middle East, through into parts of Asia, down into Africa as well. What's the growth trajectory look like, though? Because while those parts of the world did skip the landline world, they're still very much in a low cost, low end smartphone, almost a dumb phone or feature phone type world. How long before they have the 5G infrastructure necessary to fully take advantage of a Call of Duty-like experience on a mobile device? Yeah, great question again. So I think, well, I'll give you an example of how we tested uh, a few of the products that are out there today at CES. So we were in a hotel room using the hotel Wi-Fi. Oh, there's your first mistake. <laughs> yes. And, and you would think this is a recipe for disaster. Um, I actually found out that this is being done after the fact. <laughs> I think I would have said, don't do it. Uh, but one of my teammates was, was showing uh, Project X Cloud and streaming uh, Stadia on, on, the, on the Wi-Fi, and it played beautifully. Uh, so what, I think one of the things that the uh, developers are working on, and, and by the way, and, and on the show floor, we were streaming uh, uh, NVIDIA GeForce Now live, and, and it was playing flawlessly. So what the developers have done, they've enabled it to work well on a regular Wi-Fi, but obviously 5G is going to extend that well beyond. And so uh, part of their part of the plan for global expansion is to go into these Southeast Asia regions where you know mobile gaming is already big. Uh, you know, and in a lot of these countries, you, you 
people aren't going to pay $400 for a console. They're not going to go and build a $3,000 computer or buy a $2,000 gaming laptop. Uh, they just don't have the disposable income to spend on that, but they are big in mobile gaming. Uh, so this is, I, I think it's going to be a slower growth trajectory than we're going to have here because you, you know, obviously in the U.S. You, there, there is uh, our ability to get bandwidth is very easy compared to others. Uh, however, this is this is a major focus and a great area of growth. And as we're talking to our retail and carrier partners in these regions, they're really excited about this because it, this, is the, this is one of the first times that um, you know, a gaming launch is going to have a focus in these areas versus when, you know, uh, Microsoft and Sony launch, it, you know, obviously a lot of these countries aren't at, at the top of mind when they're coming out with their consoles. I'd love to just go back for a moment uh, to talk a bit about the hardware developments, because I'm amused that one of the promoted features will be that the software will talk to your Chroma RGB lighting hardware that's built into your devices and accessories. So does that mean that when my character's life force starts to drain, my razor mouse will go from glowing green to glowing red? You know, how important are those little tricks like that to attracting that diehard gaming fan who now has a family and obligations? It depends on the gamer. Uh, a lot of people love the, the immersive experience. I think you know one of the things that we are working on for all of our cloud gaming initiatives as well, uh, which was already there for quite a few of the PC and console, is to enable this into it. So as you're having a gaming session, if you're lucky enough to be able to make a gaming room, fill it up with you know, Razer peripherals, uh, uh, Philips Hughes light bulbs, as you're getting shot and you can program this how, how you want but as you're getting shot at from the right the right side of everything lights up um, as it's coming from behind us from you get uh, red lights from behind if you jump into the water it turns blue so we're trying to create a, a fully immersive gaming experience on whatever platform that you're playing on um, and you know the, the newest one now that my focus is is getting this in cloud and mobile uh, but we've been doing this for a while within pc as well you saw a twenty six percent jump in hardware revenue, and and I guess that you know that makes up most of your bottom line. But software saw forty percent year on year growth in twenty nineteen, at least the results that have been reported so far. But the real growth appears to be in services of one hundred and eleven percent. Is that the cloud gaming area that's going to see continued triple digit growth rates? Not yet. Uh, that that's referring more to our financial services and other areas. Um, so. I believe you're going to see a very big jump in that quite soon, um, but really we're just launching this year. So CES was our coming out party. Uh, that, that was the first time that really the world has seen the full portfolio. We had launched our Hammerhead True Wireless, our Arctic uh, line of uh, phone cooling cases towards the end of last year. Uh, but really at CES was the first time people got to see our 5G SILA concept router. Uh, our, our controller, our audio, our cases, really the, the, the whole ecosystem that exists. Uh, but we'll be seeing the second half, we'll, we'll, we'll really start to see the impact of this. So what's the metric for success for cloud gaming? I think it's adoption. Uh, if you look at, you know, you look at most evolutions that you see in any industry. Uh, this is what really attracted me to come here to do this. Uh, the evolution is the ability to have innovation that has demand behind it. Because uh, when you innovate, when you and, and there isn't a customer demand, you get the segue. You know, it's a very innovative device, but consumer adoption rate just wasn't there. 
I think right now you have you have all the elements of the demand that was out there. You have the core gamer who doesn't have as much time and is looking to be able to have the flexibility to play wherever they are. Especially if they're business, they want to be able to play on the road well, which 5G will enable in a hotel room. Um, you have the early Gen Z who is a mobile first customer. They just grew up because people like myself, so my kid was upset. I'd give him my phone or my iPad and say, go play and leave me alone. Um, you have you, know, you have the people in some Southeast Asia and other of these worlds that are a mobile first society. So all of this demand is out there. So before we even began on the journey of having uh, gaming come to mobile, you saw that the demand existed. Uh, then you have direct to mobile content. You have your Fortnite, your PUBG Mobile, Call of Duty Mobile, Free Fire, and a whole host of new one like League of Legends coming out this year um, that have taken a portion of that. And then cloud gaming really is, is the tipping point. Uh, that's where you have a Netflix type library available of almost any game that can be at any device. So now you have you have an evolution and you have innovation with existing demand that's out there. So I think when you see that full adoption and people start looking at mobile as the first option to go play a game versus I'll do it when I just have, you know, I have nothing else to do. I'm waiting for something. I think that's when you see the success of it. When is full adoption? Because the cloud gaming market's expected to hit two and a half billion within the next three years. But even that is only 2% of the global gaming business. And that's three years out or so, you know, where are we 10 years out? What, as I say, what is full adoption to you? I see it's when you no longer, I, th I think the mixture of cloud gaming and 5G will make it so that a console really isn't necessary. Because um, why, why would you need a plastic box? You have the same titles that are going to be available in the cloud. You'll be able to have the peripheral set up because companies like Razer will help build that out to enable you to have the input devices that, that you need. So you'll be able to play the same, the same games in the same speed with the same latency no matter where you are. Um, I think it's when you people stop playing their core, which is what they're used to, like in this example in console, and just go to cloud or just go to made for mobile and just skip that whole that whole um, middle part altogether. I think that's when you see the evolution and the tipping point finalize. How long before we see a day where gaming is platform agnostic and edge cloud driven? We're a few years away from that still. Um, you know, you still, we're still at the very top of the funnel. People just need to be aware. You know, part of part of what we're working with retailers and carriers now is just the education of what is cloud gaming, what is mobile gaming. Um, most people think of it as Candy Crush, Solitaire. They they don't they don't understand the true availability of great content um, that is really going to be enabled through different devices that are out there. I think the platform agnostic is, I would say, at least three years away. Um, you know, I don't think uh, Sony and Microsoft would be launching their new set of console this year if they didn't feel they had at least a five to six year runway. So I think we're looking at the tail end of the useful life of the, the new consoles that are launching this year. So probably about five years down the road, I would, I would assume. Tencent isn't really known as a cloud gaming company. Why team up with them? They are not a cloud gaming company. However, they make a tremendous amount of the titles that are out there, uh, but they are also working on uh, cloud gaming infrastructure in the background. So that so we're, we're, we're working with them on helping build out, you know, basically what is the best cloud gaming uh, platform and what is the best way to, to bring it to the customer base. 
Uh, we're doing that in conjunction with the 5G cloud gaming trial. We're doing it in Singapore as well, uh, which enable we're, we're testing out different materials and different uh, different methods of getting 5G technology to permeate better uh, through through uh, plastic through walls. Uh, because if you know if I, you've had some podcasts on in the past that talk about the difficulty of millimeter wave and how it is to uh, to make, make it as a widely used technology just due to some of the limitations on how the bandwidth travels through different products. So we're trying to do this all in all together so that as we're developing our peripherals, we have a we have a great understanding of what the great aspects and the limitations are of 5G and how do we make product that's going to help enable that as well as enable the cloud gaming platforms as well. Hang on, back up. Are you telling me that you need to be concerned about the thickness of the plastic in your peripherals when it comes to 5G millimeter wave transmissions? Uh, for things like our router, yes. Wow. So the 5G router that we're, we're, we're we did it, we showed a concept at, at CES, uh, and we're currently working on it in conjunction with the Singaporean government uh, through their grant. So yes, the, the thickness of it, the type of plastic, all impacts, um, and actually even the case you put on your 5G phone, for example, uh, what that plastic is made of will determine how well your signal is, is received. Uh, it, it's a very finicky uh, process right now. So tell me more about some of the early lessons that you're learning through 5G cloud gaming, this test you've got in Singapore. How difficult this is. <laughs> I think that's the number one lesson is it's not easy. Uh, it, even even a, even thicknesses of a few millimeters, we're seeing a, a very drastic decrease in signal strength. So we've, we've actually found the optimal thickness um, through just trying a, a, a whole slew of different uh, materials um, and also the, the thickness of those. Uh, but we just found it's not as easy as one would think. A lot of people think, hey, just grab a phone, plug it, you know, or take a router, plug it in, and you got this 10 gigs per second speed. That's really not the case. Um, you have, you know, there's, there's two bands that are with it. Sub six, which is an easier one to do, and you can get very good speed on it. And there's the one that everybody is out there and putting commercials out, which is millimeter wave, which has that theoretical maximum of 10 gigs per second. That is very hard to harness. It's very, it's easy to do it in an enclosed environment, but once you're trying to do it within a building or in, in your within your home where there's walls blocking it, it becomes much more difficult. So I think it's you know we're still a little bit little ways off of perfecting it right now. What made Singapore the test bed for this? We're co-headquartered there. Uh, so one of our headquarters is in Singapore, the other is in Hurban, California. Uh, so the government would like Singapore to be one of the first adopters of cloud gaming and are really pushing 5G. Uh, so they look to different partners that are in the region to help. So Singtel, which is the largest carrier there, and ourselves uh, received this grant to work together on it. How necessary is government involvement in promoting 5G through, I suppose, either through grants or tax incentives, things of that nature? How important is it to have the government involved in the rollout of 5G generally? I think it depends on which government it is and where they are. Uh, Singapore is a, a smaller country, so I think it would be difficult for any of the existing carriers to be able to uh, fully funded on their own because it is a very expensive process to go through. Um, in the U.S., we have three very large carriers with plenty of uh, cash to be able to do it. So I think uh, within 
within certain regions, it's going to need it just because if they, if, especially if they want to go to market early, I think the early adoption, obviously early adoption of anything is more expensive. If you wait until things have been matured and lessons learned have been done already, you can take what was already done and, and replicate it. But if you want to be, you know, one of the first to market with, with an initiative, uh, you need to have a lot of cash to be able to do it. And, and, and a government like Singapore wants to wants to have the country be at the forefront of this evolution. Uh, so they're going to they need to support it in, in some way, shape or form. With that said and done, particularly in light of our discussion about how there are parts of the world that skipped the landline and, and jumped straight to mobile and that those are developing economies and some of them are emerging economies. Where do you see 5G truly taking hold first? Is it a Western world phenomenon or an Eastern world thing first? I think it's Western first. I mean, you look at who's the furthest ahead. Uh, you, it's it's mostly U.S.-based carriers, the the Verizons, the T-Mobiles, the AT&Ts of the world, um, mostly in Western Europe as well. Uh, you have Japan, which is going, uh, which is pushing us. It's mostly of the countries you would think of first of mind as to where this is going to start. Uh, but it will be everywhere. Um, it's just taking a little bit more time. Most most countries that are kind of on the second tier from a GDP standpoint, uh, you you're looking at early next year where they'll start pushing forward versus the other on the western side, which are really pushing forward. Uh, the middle, either they've already launched, but really uh, pushing forth towards the second half of this year. And what do you make of, of the concerns that consumers have when they hear about 10 gigabit per second speeds? The first comment I always get is, wow, there goes my data cap. Is this a hurdle as you see it within the video game consumer when it comes to 5G? Are, are they going to be looking at their data limits and going, oh, well, I guess I'm not playing Call of Duty on my way into work? That's actually a great question to ask. And what we are seeing is that 5G plans, well, I can't tell the carriers what to do, uh, but 5G plans are going to have to come with either an extremely high cap or unlimited data because it's you're going to be able to download so much more, so much faster that it's going to be very hard to control it. Uh, so I know, you know, so we're working with quite a few globally, um, uh, a lot actually, and uh, we're looking at doing different bundles together with 5G, um, you know, our devices, we're partnering with different cloud gaming companies, um, and a lot of, and, and, the, and what we've been discussing, a lot of these don't have a cap on it, because if, you know, if you look at who's the early adopter of 5G, it's going to be gamers. That's the number one, peer, that's the number one uh, consumer that, that, that they're all trying to target, because uh, they realize who else needs this speed. You know, you don't necessarily need to go to your favorite news site and pull up the, your article faster than you are today. However, if you do want to play Fortnite or PUBG or Call of Duty Mobile, and you, you do need that to be fast. But in order to do that, in order to make the adoption really happen, you can't make it punitive um, and if they're playing a lot of games. You, know, you want to enable long gameplay. So to do that, the data plan is going to have to go along with it. It's a fascinating point. A big picture of this for me then, because uh, it was suggested, you know, to your point, that you know how much faster and how much better is Facebook really going to be on 5G? What's the killer app? If the killer app is is gaming, um, what does that adoption rate look like to you? Because I know I can't convince my wife to adopt a, a 5G gaming platform because she's only interested in Angry Birds. Yeah, that's true. I think you're going to see early adoption and for gamers happen fast. And there's a lot more gamers than people realize. 
Uh, you know, you're looking at over 2 billion people um, that, you know, are considered the subs gamers. Now, part of those are the Angry Birds. They're the Candy Crush portion of it as well. Um, but there is a, a very large and growing population of people who are core and mid-core gamers who would be willing to do this. So as long as the, and the enticement to get them to change over into a 5G structure, both in, you know, with their mobile device and at home, uh, I think you're going to be able to get that early adoption rate, which enables them to keep building it. And then it's going to drop like with anything, it's going to drop to a price point that would start pulling over others who just want to be able to stream Netflix or Hulu a, a little bit faster on their phone when they're on the go. Uh, but I don't think that's going to pull the initial crowd in. I, I do think it, it's the gaming crowd that is going to start it off. So while you have this relationship with Tencent, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that they've got the gaming library already, why not go it alone? If 5G supports network slicing to create high-speed, low-latency private networks that help with things like customer retention and, and benefits like that, why not just start up Razer Mobile and start your own online gaming service with your own dedicated branding to that and pull in the extra revenue and, I can imagine, the profit that comes with a high-margin business like that? You know, Michael, that's not a terrible idea, um, but really we want to focus on our core. Our core is enabling and enhancing the gameplay of others and being a platform agnostic company. Um, people like Tencent do it better than we do. Uh, sure, we could. We could even go off and buy somebody um, who's a developer. However, we prefer them to do what they're good at. Uh, work with the carriers, the Verizons, the T-Mobiles, AT&Ts in the world, EEs, all those guys. Um, you know, let them focus on what they're good at, and for us to be in the middle and to be able to work together with all of them. Uh, we see ourselves at the center and being able to make what they do better um, and helping enable it. So we partner with all of them. We let the you know. We could go out and make a cloud gaming system, but you know, Google, Nvidia, Microsoft, they're doing a heck of a lot better than we could ever do. Uh, but what we can do is create peripherals and input devices and, and different aspects of it that will help build up an ecosystem that makes their what they've already done even better. And that and that's what our core is. See the future. Listen to what's next. Read about world changing ideas. All by visiting futurismic.com. The Futurismic Podcast with Michael Hainsworth is a Nokia original series.